0: You're listening to the Tooth Sleuth Podcast. Hosted by Greg Essenmacher.
1: Welcome to the Tooth Sleuth Podcast, all about the business of dentistry. I'm Greg Essenmacher, your host. Although I'm not a dentist, I've been known to play one over your favorite listening devices. On today's episode, I'm very excited to welcome my friend, Dr. Terry Work, who got his doctor of medical dentistry from Oregon's Health Sciences University in Portland in 1989. He's an Oregon native and moved to San Diego in 89 to serve in the U.S. Navy as a dental officer. Thanks so much for your service. Really appreciate that. Dr. Work served four years in the Navy, where he benefited from specialty training in the areas of oral surgery, endodontic therapy, and dental diagnosis. He and his wife, Marianne, also a dentist, have been practicing in Scottsdale, Arizona for 27 years. Dr. Work is a general dentist that places and restores implants, removes third molars, does tissue and bone grafting, and is trained in full mouth rehabilitation, whether it be crown and bridge or implant restorations. Dr. Work is a diplomat in the International Congress of Oral Implantologists.
0: Please help me welcome Dr. Terry Work. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great, man. That guy sounds great. He Who sounds is he? sounds like a stud. Yeah, that's amazing. That sounds like something I may have written for I, myself.
1: I'm kind of thinking that I want to be friends with this guy. Do you know how I can get a hold of him?
0: Yes. Go to www.dentalwork.com. It's, it's not dental works? No, I couldn't get that. You couldn't get, couldn't get that. I tried. There's oh, two of you, though, isn't there? There is another company that is not the original. I am the original Dental Works. After 27 years, I would think you're the original. I tried to trademark that. They would not allow me to do that because dental work is a kind of a commonly used phrase. The process. You can't can't trademark.
1: Yeah. Try though I may. Does Marianne think that you're the original?
0: Yes. Really? I am.
1: Has she met your dad? Yes. Okay. I just want to know. These are very important questions our listeners want to know. (laughs) Do you know something I don't know? I'm just asking questions. That is my job on this show is to ask questions. The Tooth Sleuth. (laughs) So, Terry, so you and I have been friends for a while. A while. Uh, So (laughs) maybe we could tell the story someday about the first time that we met.
0: Maybe not. No, yeah, I was thinking. (laughs) I was... uh, I'm always concerned, especially since we do a podcast, and I kind of uh, I get to talk as much as I want, but when I'm on someone else's podcast, I have to watch my P's and Q's. So that's fine.: Tell me about your podcast.: My podcast is a podcast for our practice, mostly geared towards our patients, patient education, uh, giving a little bit of information about uh, what our practice is about, some of the stuff we do. Uh, giving information about dentistry on the whole, trying to raise the, raise the um, profession on the whole. But then there's also some less serious fantasy kind of uh, episodes where we get a little bit silly, and my son and I, who is our producer, um, just have some fun trying to bring a little levity to an otherwise... Not very popular profession, let's just say.
1: I thought you were going to say a dry profession because you definitely need a dry field to do your work, don't
0: you? Absolutely.
1: That was setting itself up really easily. You didn't take advantage of it. That's all right. (laughs) And so what's the name of your podcast? So a lot of our listeners, this is Tooth Sleuth is the business of dentistry, so I leave the clinical to guys like you. So what's what's the name of your podcast? Dental Works Podcast. So it's plural? Yes. So That's the podcast plural. is plural, but the, the, website, the website is, is not singular. plural.
0: Oh, it's a whole I'm big very legal kind of thing. If you just Google Dent Work Pod, you will find we just... Taped our fifty sixth episode. Wow! We actually we've gone international. We we talked to dentists <laughs> all over the world, and when I say all over the world, Jamaica.
1: <laughs> if, if you could see Ted, his son of the
0: producer, and his reaction over that, we've gone international. Yes. The international man of mystery. Yes, we inter- we uh, we uh, interviewed a Jamaican dentist. He was uh, he was wonderful and really a good sport. And We had a good time. It's a did a three part podcast on on that interview. And just, it's interesting. He studied in Moscow and it's a very interesting podcast. So I recommend people, Dent Work Pod. Excellent.
1: No, I appreciate you sharing that. It's it's fantastic to have people who have branched out and done their own podcast and do different things because, right, this is all about the business of dentistry. And so being a business, but you've been in business here in the Scottsdale area with your wife, both dentists. For twenty-seven years, is yes, that correct? That is correct. So, I mean, you've seen so many changes, and that I've been in the dental industry myself for fourteen years, half as long, um, and I've seen tons of changes. So, tell me, what advice would you give? You know, if there's some listeners out there, dentists out there who are just getting started, whether they're you know just leaving dental school or if they've been working you know as an associate somewhere. So, if they're just starting out a practice, what advice could you give, or what you know, give them little
0: tidbits, if you will. Well, I'm huge on mentorship programs, as you all know. I, I, um, I did some lecturing for some companies that will go unnamed. However, we um, we were big on the mentorship portion of things, and, and it, it really goes back to coaching and um, and modeling things. If you want to be as good as that guy, hey. I mean, basically, it only makes sense if you do exactly what that person did, you should have a similar result. So the great thing about the mentoring programs is that you can um do procedures that maybe you're less familiar with um, under the tutelage of someone who's done all that who kind of can help you um forego the uh the the things that make it more stressful and you have a better success. And so I, I guess the thing is let's say that you're starting out of practice, it would be good if you don't have a heavy business background, to get a business coach to help you set up your practice. If you're trying to expand your practice, you might you want to have a coach that will help you with procedures that you find interesting. And some of the procedures I do, um, when you find out the potential um, downfall or the potential um, complications, it may be may not be something you want to really embark on. So if you have a mentor, you can discuss all that with them and get the pros and cons of of doing all those procedures.
1: Well, and I love that piece because not only in your industry, right, in in dental, right, Uh, on the the side, the clinical side that you're talking about, whether it's, you know, they need to learn a procedure or they're trying to, you know, get their feet wet on a new procedure that they're learning and have someone over the shoulder, the one-on-one, you know, to be able to give tips on that. But if they're trying to expand their business or whatnot to be able to get that side of coaching that maybe they didn't get as much in dental school or things of that nature, I love That. But it's not only on the dental side. You know, we see that in the manufacturing side. You see that in every vertical that mentoring, and, you know, we had a podcast, uh, you know, just last time on mentoring and how important that is. And I think it's really valuable for people like yourself that are talking about mentoring from your aspect that you're willing to do mentoring because you found that valuable as well. So talk to me about a mentor that you've had that was really impactful for you.
0: Well, I was uh, I did the mini residency at the California Implant Institute and um it was it was really good. It was one of those things where, you know, a lot of dentists will be like, I want to place implants. I'm going to take a 3-day weekend course and start placing implants. And every course tells you, do a second premolar on the maxilla where there's plenty of room to do it, and then you go back the next week and you've got like a front tooth on somebody who's a model or something, that is not the first implant you want to place. And so if you have a um, a mentor, you can kind of ask them questions. And so what I would do is in my practice, because this was a 12-month program, and they did different sections on prosthodontics and placement, and and you had subjects on complications and <clears throat> what not to do. And his, uh, one of his, my favorite lines of his is, uh, um, don't, don't do whatever, don't do this. And then he would say, ask me how I know. (laughs) And so he was great because we would go there once a month in San Diego. It was beautiful. Um, and we would talk about cases. We do case presentations and all that kind of stuff. And so I've had lots of different mentors through my life. And, um, it's mentoring to actually be part of a teaching institution because you go and you watch um, people who place implants who have no experience and they ask questions and you're like, oh my God, it's been so long since I, you know, had a question that was that basic that I forgot. You have to absolutely be very clear in your on your instructions about uh, what's going on. And so... Um, It's really important to um, pace yourself and don't uh, go outside your abilities because those kinds of, I don't want to say mistakes, but those kinds of leaps of faith, uh, you know, sometimes turn out bad, so...
1: Yeah, and it gives you a chance to reflect too on how far you've come. You know, when you look back and you get some of those basic questions, and you know, we see that on the manufacturing side, you see it in marketing. When you see some of the real basic things that you go back and you hear somebody ask some of those basic questions, and you're like, man, it has been a long time since I've had to like actually think about that, you know, like tooth number 12. I say that you instantly come up with what tooth number twelve is, you know, twelve is. But you ask somebody who's new to the dental industry, and they put their right, you know, the right index finger up on the right side, and they're counting around, and they're like, yeah. "Okay, so that is, let's see, that is that the canine, or is that a premolar on the upper maxilla, left, right?" So yeah. that's what they're doing. So, but it's been so long since they've done that basic, but you can flash back to it. I, I love that perspective. Yeah. So we we've gone through. Some really strange times over the last sixteen seventeen months, right nobody could have anticipated you know the flex and the adjust that you know have gone through you know tell me what what has been the one biggest challenge? that you didn't foresee. Everybody's talking about, you know, the challenge of, oh, the practice shutting down and, you know, health protocols and things of that nature. What's one of the, kind of the unseen, unwritten, unheard pieces that, upon reflection over the last year, year and a half, that really was a little surprising to you, you know, in the practice
0: that you've learned? Well, one of the thing I'm going to give you a positive and a negative. The positive thing was, so our practice, we closed down for the month of April of last year, and that is it. We looked at the way we run our practice, and what we found is we were already doing universal protocols. There were not many changes that we had to make because we, we have an organized office, and my wife is, has obsessive-compulsive disorder, so cleanliness in our office is, she aware is not of a problem. Yeah, she knows. <laughs> I, I tell her all the time. Cleanliness is not an issue. So it was nice... And we, we do that thing where you you send out a, a questionnaire to your patients to try to find out what they say about your practice. The number one thing that was said about our practice is how clean it is. Mm. We did not expect that. We thought, oh, they're fun, they're funny. I go there and it's a this, that. No, cleanliness was the number one response that was said most often. So that was a so good thing. So important that was that oh, Right, yeah. that was a good thing. And even though our office is... Twenty-seven, twenty. We've been here twenty-seven, twenty-eight years. Um, you know, we've tried to stay up on the way the practice is kind of organized and that kind of stuff. But my wife, she gets the carpet shampooed every three months, and she—it is just ridiculous. You, I, I mean, I can remember I, I was talking to one of my assistants, and I said, "Hey, uh, do you know where Dr. Marianne is?" And her response was, "I don't know. She's probably somewhere swiffering," <laughs> and that was accurate. That's exactly what it was. But that's the one thing that was a positive. Uh, something I really didn't expect is the um, supply chain interruption. Like a mm. perfect example, uh, Dentply, who ma- manufactures dental uh, or denture teeth, they almost stopped production of denture teeth to make masks. So now when I order denture teeth, sometimes it'll take a month to get them. So I have to go to my lab. I mean, so those kinds of things I, I didn't even anticipate. And so that's happening with a lot of different things and that will pop up every so often. Oh, we can't, we're back ordered on X, Y, Z. And so I don't know how long it's going to take before things, you know, spin back up because I'm really big on being efficient, getting my patients seen quickly, taking care of them. So when I have a stumbling block like that, that irritates me a little bit.
1: Yeah. So it's one of those unseen uh, things, right? So, you know, in for those of you who may or may not know, you look at right now with the chips that aren't available for new cars, which has put a premium on used cars. If you look at the last four to six months, so for those of you who don't know, you know, this is the end of July. So if you're listening to this podcast and it's 2027, that means I have longevity. So I'm really proud of that. So I hope you're listening in 2027. It's not 2027 now. Uh, So, but there has been a real crunch in that. So in the last six months, used car prices have shot up 25 percent so if you have a used car that's sitting around you're sitting on a gold mine yeah. right so it is just one of those that's my retirement out there exactly it's one of those things that are just an unseen you know that is the subtlety right everybody knows that you know during last year during the crunch you know masks getting a uh, hand sanitizer things of that nature toilet, paper. toilet paper right <laughs> everybody knows that's about the the toilet most paper. Ridiculous. the craziness right so those are the pieces that everybody knows about but that's why i asked so what are the subtle things so you you know when they start shifting production from one thing to another and what are some of those disruptions that you've experienced and some of the frustrations so i appreciate you sharing that with me um, one of the things that we talk about a lot um, you know on this show uh, that i think is really important you know building Out teams and what's the most important piece about building out a team? You and I have had conversations, you know, over dinner. You know, with the spouses, we've gotten together, um, and we do that on a frequent basis. So I know that you, know, you haven't had the same team in place, even though it'd be nice once you have a great team, you're like, oh, something happens, right? Life happens with an assistant or you know, somebody retires, so that's happened for you. 27 years in business, of course, that's going to happen. So tell me about a process or maybe something you can share with our listeners on staffing and how you've been able to successfully have continuity even through disruption
0: with staff. Well, that's a, that's a really good question. You know, over the course of time, we've used employment agencies, we've used all sorts of stuff, we've put out advertisements on, you know, uh, I, Craigslist, all that. And every time I say Craigslist, I always think of Craigslist Killer. You know, <laughs> we've had people. We've Wait, had have you had one of those? Come in. No. <laughs> we've had people come in in sweatsuits, chewing gum. We had one girl who. Came to an interview, and it was terrible. She came back three days later, not remembering she had been here three <laughs> days earlier. It was just crazy. And so if you use an employment... Wait, did you agent, hire her? No. Oh, okay. Just I had to If ask. you use a, an employment agency, it kind of weeds out some stuff. And it's, it's a moving target. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. What you do is you have to get core people, and you have to tell them, listen... And what I started doing, one of the biggest things I've done that's made my life so much easier is learning to delegate responsibly. And that's really hard, because I'm a little bit of a control freak. And it's like, oh, if you want something done good, you got to do, it, do yourself. it yourself. So what I did is you find core people, and you delegate to them, and you talk to that You get them invested in your practice. And what I mean by that is you say, you know... We're going to bring somebody on. We need somebody. We all agree, but let's not just get a body in here that's going to irritate all of us and cause things to be worse. (laughs) And so I started having my lead assistant do the interviews and talk about um, what she liked about him, what she didn't like about them, what needed to happen. And so I got them involved. And then... They start taking ownership in the practice and you, you know, we have pension profit sharing and you try to put together a package that speaks to the people you want to keep. And some offices, their motto is, you know, hire more people than you need work them till they die and then hire someone new. So you don't have to pay, you know, pay into the pension profit sharing. That is not how we work. Patients like continuity. Patients like to see the same person. They want to feel like they connect with the assistant. And so you get your staff involved in that. And that's that can be hard. I mean, because sometimes you just can't find that core person. You just have to be patient. You got to do the numbers. We all know what the numbers are. For every hundred people you meet, there's really only five that you would be interested in either going to business with or being good friends with or that kind of thing. So it's just a numbers thing. And you just got to slog through and we do working interviews, 30, 60, 90, you know, and we've had some people be like after 90 days, yeah, I, I don't want to work this hard, <laughs> you know, we <laughs> right, expect yeah. people to show up, we expect people to be on time, we, we have a handbook for the office, so it's spelled out, and when they see how serious we are, we're serious about working hard, and we're serious about having a good time, taking care of our patients, some people, they just, you know, they just want to phone it in, and that's not someone that would work here.
1: So. yeah and you know it's something that you you mentioned that I think is you know it's you're asking for them to make an investment in your business and in turn you're making an investment in them and I think that's a different mindset than what many are used to right sure. a lot yeah. of them are used to punch, they come a clock in, punch in a, I was just gonna say they yeah. please don't take the words out of my mouth okay <laughs> you know they come in they punch a clock they take the paycheck, and they go home you know, but when they see that there's the the Seriousness is the word that you used, but, uh, you know, the intentionality behind the practice because there's so much effort in dentistry, right? Everybody talks about, you know, marketing. Oh, I need good marketing. I need to bring in more new patients and more new patients. If there is half the effort to retain the patients that you have, and a big chunk of that is yeah, of course it's the dentist, right? You know, that's the head of the snake, if you will. But the body, really the sets rest, the of course. Yeah. But it's everybody else in the practice. How many people do does a patient encounter from the time that they call – To set the appointment if they need to change an appointment they get reminded of the appointment what's the tone what does it sound like you know all of those pieces of the practice they walk in how are they greeted if you're running a little bit behind how are they treated when it's running a little bit behind how are they brought back to the chair how are they greeted by the assistant you know how rough are they with the you know with the suction i mean all these little things add up and on top of that let's just be honest, going to the dentist is usually not the best experience for most people because they have high anxiety and so they're, sure. you know their spidey ears are way up. So what you're talking about really is, is so important for people to hear, for dentists to hear, for people in business in general to hear. And I
0: think that's really important for sure. Yeah. I mean, the communication. So, I mean, it starts off really with a mission statement and that's set by myself and Dr. Marianne. And then we just kind of share the mission statement with employees. And if they don't Believe in that. Well, great. You know, move on. Have a nice day. Love you. You know, but we the mission statement kind of sets the tone. It talks about how serious you are, and then you have to have staff meetings. We have a we have a a weekly hour long meeting. Then we have we have huddles every morning just so everybody's on the same page. And we may have a staff member that's just like, gosh, you know, today I'm just having a hard time. I got some family this and that. If I could get a little extra support, that would be great. So everybody kind of knows, hey. I I mean, I I can't imagine going through a day of work and not having a staff meeting in the morning to kind of get things organized. You know, hey, is that crown here? Is that, you know? And so what you want is continuity. You want people up front, to be saying the same things people in back are. I mean, how irritating is it when you go to a restaurant and you're talking to the waitress and she's like, Hey, man, are the hamburgers good here? Oh, I don't know. I don't eat here. You know, I mean... (laughs) I'm a vegan. I have no idea. You want your staff to be talking about how great you are and and how, you know, we use the most uh, expensive materials because they're the best and they use a great lab. And, you know, oh, Dr. Work is really... You want them to be saying that, but you don't want to have to tell them to say that. You want it to be true. And you want them to be like, well, like, hey, man, is it good when you get your teeth cleaned here? Oh, I get my teeth cleaned somewhere else. You know, I mean, it's like, <laughs> you know, it has to Authentic, be... Authentic, genuine, right, believable. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's yeah. an experience
1: they've had. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is the point of the podcast where all of our guests go through what the sleuth is going on. So three rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Question number one. Tell me about the worst bad breath experience you've ever encountered?
0: The worst bad breath experience I've ever encountered Mm -hmm. was when I was in the Navy. We had a patient who had so many decayed teeth and such bad halitosis, I had to put orange oil between two masks to keep from gagging. Now... I probably wouldn't gag now. I'd probably eat a turkey sandwich while working on it. But I was kind of new, so everything is everything is a little different with experience. Mayo but, or mustard on that turkey sandwich? Oh yes, that's a follow-up. Mayo. Extra mayo. Okay, just want to
1: know. Okay, question number two: If you could change one thing about your smile,
0: what would it be? One thing about my smile. Mm-hmm. Ah, my smile is perfect. <laughs> my wife did my smile, so she hears this. Oh, I mean, you're already in, in trouble with
1: things you've said uh, about her OCD, so you might as well.
0: The lingual of number eight is a little bit rough to my tongue. Okay, for all of you
1: dentists out there, you understand that. For all of you lay people, he's talking about his front tooth.
0: <laughs> Actually, there's a thick margin on the buckle of number eight, too, that I've changed. I'm being very, very picky.
1: Okay, question number three. If you could go back and be the inventor of any dental product, which one would it
0: be and why? Dental product. Mm -hmm. Um, God, that is a great question. Oh, my gosh. I wish I would have invented iTero scanner because it has made my life so much easier and the quality of my... Crown & Bridge is so much better since I've gotten it, which it just broke down yesterday. (laughs) And I've had to take some conventional impressions the last couple days, and I have just pissed and moaned the whole time. So I'm thinking of getting another one.
1: I was just going to say so there's a theme song you don't know what you got until it's gone but I won't sing that cuz I have to see whether that. or not I'd have to pay for that oh, if gosh. I started singing it depending on how much time in there. So it, the last question I was going to ask you to wrap up our show today was actually leading right into that. So it, for our listeners, you know, 27 years in practice, right? That that's a long time. So just share a little bit about technology and dentistry and how you've been able to keep up. How do you keep up? You know, is is it just online courses? Is it, you know, you've shared a little bit about how you've learned implant dentistry. Um, That sounds like that was a number of years ago, but how do you stay current and fresh, especially in technology because it's moving so fast?
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. You know, the, the issue with technology, whenever I look at new technology, I say, Does this make me a better dentist? Am I giving a better product to my patients? Is it making it safer? Is it making it, you know, more convenient? That kind of thing. And so when you get in as a new dentist, you want to do everything all at once right now. It's like the internet. I want everything right now all the time. And that just doesn't work. You can spend all this money. And then if you don't have patients to support that, the debt service is just so high, it just makes you miserable. So I think what I've been able to do in my practice is balance things to the point where I'm having a great time, I'm doing great dentistry, and the technology just makes it a little bit more fun and a little bit more safe. A perfect example is the the use of my cone beam scanner in conjunction with my iTero machine, in conjunction with surgical stents. So if I'm doing a case where I'm working on the lower and I'm worried about the inferior inferior alveolar nerve, um, I can stay away from that by having a surgical stent made based on the scan from there. So it just makes that procedure faster and safer, and, and it's cool. So that's, it's cool. I mean, when it's cool and safer, And better, it's just it's the the triple the triple whammy there.
1: Absolutely, and you know I like that you are patient centric with what you're doing with technology. It's not just oh look, it's the latest toy because I'm sure with a thriving practice after 27 years, you could go out and buy any toy you really wanted to, and you have a lot of the tools. Right. That that really help practice better. But you really use that gauge of, does it make it safer? Does it make it better for my patient? And if that's the case, then you can really justify the expense because it's an investment on helping it to be a better patient experience. Right. A perfect
0: example is I demoed a robot to help me place (laughs) implants. Eh, it's cool I mean, it's cool it's definitely cool and if then marianne said hell me no to work yeah if it was up to me i would get everything if it was up to her we would get nothing so in the middle <laughs> is where we meet but and the robot is cool but you got to calibrate the damn thing and i'm already calibrated right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah And don't worry, later on, we're going to
1: find out from Marianne whether or not it's true that he is the. (laughs) So we'll verify that. No, it's been a true pleasure to have somebody like yourself, you know, who's been around in the industry and successful and sharing your knowledge and dropping that knowledge on for all of our listeners. So thank you so much, Terry, for being on the show today. We appreciate it. Absolutely.
0: I appreciate it. And we're going to have you on our podcast as well. Excellent. I got a guy. You got a guy. Thanks so much. Take care. All right. Bye bye.
1: Thank you for listening to the Tooth Sleuth podcast. If you're a dentist and interested in learning more on how to grow your business, reach out to our show at toothsleuth2021 at gmail.com. Or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or hanging out on your nearest street corner, where this seems to be a dental practice everywhere you look. Signing off for now, I'm Greg Estenmacher. I thank you for your time and the pleasure of your company. And remember to keep smiling.
0: This podcast was produced by T-Door Productions. Theme song written by The Whole Other.